Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not really always the stormtroopers you got to worry about. It's everybody else that's complicit with everything. They're the people that are scary. This is Sam. This is Christian. And this is Southpaw. Hey, and one more thing. If you love the show and want to support us, go to patreon.com slash southpawpod. Today on Southpaw, we have Christian Perez. He is an adjunct professor of political science at Brookdale Community College in New Jersey. He's the host of the Modernity and Absurdity podcast. He's a regular contributor to New Jersey Revolution Radio. He often lectures on the dangers of conspiracy theories. And most importantly, he is a combat sports and pro wrestling enthusiast like the rest of us. So, hi, Christian. Hi, how you doing, Sam? Thanks for having me. We got a lot to cover, so let's just dive right into it. Sounds good. So, what got you interested in political science, left politics, and conspiracy theories? Yeah, so there's a, a couple things wrapped up in there. I think the first thing that really got me into politics, uh, I, I, you know, I was I was trying to jot down some ideas, and two things came to mind. Number one would be uh, Rage Against the Machine. I discovered them as a sophomore in college. I heard their I, I, the second album, Evil Empire, and it blew my mind. And then I went and bought their first album, and that blew my mind even more. Uh, the fact that there was a band out there not singing about everything else, you know, heartbreak and, and you know, demons and wizards and stuff like that, or gangster rap. It was a band talking about real issues that affect everyone. Uh, and I think that was one of the most influential, uh, just one of the biggest influences in, in my life. And um, on another end, it would probably be my father. He... Uh, little sarcastic as a guy he's but he's uh definitely a, a progressive left-wing guy but he he's the kind of person who would pull me aside and say you know what they teach you in high school isn't always the truth i remember him pulling me aside and telling me about uh the actor anthony quinn and how his name was really antonio quinones or the musician richie valens who was really ricardo valenzuela and how they would change people's names and just you know, that, that at a young age i remember my dad explaining that to me and it, it kind of uh it, you know, at a young age, I realized that the world wasn't as uh, as fair as it as it should be. So that's probably how I got into left politics, and that's what led me into political science. With conspiracy theories, as a kid, I was always into like the weird things, like the paranormal and aliens and all that stuff. And it was really a few years ago. I was kind of bored, and I was looking for something to do. And I said, "Let me get to the bottom of this aliens thing." And then you realize it's a bunch of. Uh, crappy videos, a bunch of hearsay. It's never any evidence. And then I kind of got pulled into the uh, the skeptic websites and podcasts. And that's I've been enjoying that stuff ever since. It was kind of a long answer. So as a kid, you were always into the weird stuff. And then you had some free time. You were I, I, basically as I got older, it was um, I had studied political science, uh, got my BA, my MA. And I, you know, I have a, a, I have a particular buddy who would, you know, kind of post articles. And I'm just like, you know, like, why do people believe these silly things. You know, I went to school, I educated myself. 
I, there are answers out there to just chalk everything up as some part of like, you know, alien conspiracy or reptile people conspiracy or Jewish conspiracy. It's sloppy and it's personally, it, it's lazy and it's insulting. And when you see activists out there doing actual work, trying to trying to improve society, to have them just written off as, you know, uh, members of some plot, it's, it's disrespectful and it, it's not academic. So let's talk about conspiracies, right? Yeah. Legally, a conspiracy is an agreement between two or more persons to commit a crime at some time in the future. But that's not how most people mean that term, right? So what do we mean when we normally say conspiracy or conspiracy theory? Yeah. So first off, I want to differentiate between the two uh, conspiracies. I mean, like the, the basic definition I always use, I think it's from Webster's. It's a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or, or, or harmful. Right. This secret arrangement between two or more people. They're either going to steal something or grab power, uh, violate rights or, or something like that. That's that's a typical conspiracy. Uh, conspiracies are real. And I, you know, I can give you some examples of conspiracies. I think we're going to discuss that later. But a conspiracy theory is something different. Right. The conspiracy theory is the idea that, you know, important political events like JFK's assassination or 9-11 or the uh, fall of the Berlin Wall or the fall of the Soviet Union, that these events, that these economic and social trends, that they're actually the product of some kind of plot by by some some puppet master pulling strings behind the scenes. And that that's that's the big thing. The mindset of the conspiracy theorists, it's the, the term is called conspiracism, also known as conspiratorial thinking. Or uh, one of the more prominent phrases is the paranoid style. There was a writer in 1964, Harper's Magazine, uh, Richard Hofstadter. He wrote an article called The Paranoid Style in American Politics. I have all of my students read it. I will never stop recommending it. You can read this article, and he's talking about the United States in 1964, and it might as well be the United States in 2019. As cliche as it sounds, it, 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 it sounds like it could have been written yesterday. Uh, but anyway, conspiracism is this belief in or advocacy of conspiracy theories, right? It's instead of looking at the world and trying to figure out how power works and, you know, understanding that just because you're a kingmaker in one state, that doesn't necessarily mean that that power extends to another state, right? You could be Mark Zuckerberg, who's this, you know, social media magnet, but a hundred years ago, it was the Carnegie's industries rise and fall power comes and goes. But these conspiracy theorists, people who, who, uh, subscribe to conspiracism, always chalk it up to it's a handful of people in a room, very X-Files, um, usually a bunch of old men, usually a bunch of old white men, and they're just pulling the strings and everyone else is working for them. So, I mean, if you go online, um, I have a bunch of, you know, probably some graphics I could show you, send you. But basically, it's always like this hierarchy. And at the top is always like either these puppet masters or the Antichrist or, <laughs> or devils. And, you know, at the bottom, it's, it's you and me, Sam. It's the working man. It's everyday people. And we're being exploited by by this this power structure. And it, it's really just sloppy political science. My original lecture was called Conspiracy Theories as Lazy Political Science. And that's that's the best way I could describe it. So lazy thinking it's kind of wacky is out there. It can be wacky and out there, out there. It's not always the case, but, uh, you know, uh, definitely some of the more, I guess what we would call bizarre ideas, uh, are going to be out there when we talk about reptile people and aliens and stuff like that. But there are, you know, some conspiracy theories that I, I, I don't, I wouldn't call them kooky. 
Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't call the assassinate or like 50 percent of Americans as of 2013 believe that JFK's uh, assassination was the result of a conspiracy. I wouldn't call that crazy. You could look at the history of interventions, American intervention in other countries, particularly in the post-war era. And, uh, you know, you can find instances of the United States overthrowing governments, uh, uh, having people you know, world leaders executed, uh, destabilizing economies. So I wouldn't say that it's, you know, somebody who believes JFK is assassinated. I wouldn't call them crazy. I mean, when you start, you know, splitting hairs and get into the nuts and bolts, then you'll, you might find some crazy ideas, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it, it, I don't think that that's crazy. I, I think a lot of conspiracy theorists are probably smarter than the average person because they're aware enough to realize that the, that there's something up with the world that the world isn't fair, that there is a power imbalance, that there is inequality. The, the The problem then is how then do they interpret it? Like, how do they see it? Do they have an anti-capitalist, progressive left-wing viewpoint that, you know, calls into question capitalism and, you know, arbitrary authority? Or are they saying it's the lizard people that have everybody under mind control? Or is it, you know, Jews or Muslims or Mexicans or Chinese or whoever it is this year? So what I'm speaking to is like kind of uh, the stereotype that people have, right? And the reason why I'm bringing that up is when we chalk it up as those things, we think of it as what I would say wacky or out there. What I mean is we're putting it in a box that says it's benign or novel, right? Yeah. And you say conspiracy theories can be dangerous, right? Absolutely. Very dangerous. So why do you say they're dangerous? Well, there's there's a couple different reasons. So the simple answer to that would be that they're the they're just the product of misinformation and fake news. So you have people operating off of misinformation. So people will then act on that information. Uh, it could be something as simple or easy as voting, right? But you know, if you buy into a conspiracy theory about, uh, you know, the, the the Chinese creating climate change as a as a way to, uh, you know. Uh, undersell American businesses. That that's a conspiracy theory that Trump used to get to power. So uh, I, I think that that's dangerous. I think Trump is is a dangerous man. So that's one instance. You have people just not paying their taxes. These so called sovereign citizens uh, who can either be black or white. Right. The the normal conspiracy theorist. The stereotype is you know chunky middle aged white guy in his mom's basement tinfoil hat. But we you know that's not the case. But uh, on one end you can have somebody do something more dangerous. You had that guy who went into that Comet ping pong pizza parlor uh, after Pizzagate. He took an assault rifle, went into a family restaurant and fired it. He was acting because he believed a certain conspiracy theory was real. So on one end, it could be something as simple as not voting or voting or not paying your taxes, which you're going to do time for. Or it could be something like, you know, a guy takes a gun and shoots up a, a pizza parlor or shoots up a school because he thinks there's some kind of evil Jewish Muslim plot. You have people shooting up synagogues, people shooting up black churches, people shooting up mosques. It's it's, it's a thing. And they're acting off of uh, misinformation. So I, I I think that they they can be dangerous. There's actually a really cool website I found out about last week. It's called what the what's the harm dot net. And they have a bunch of different issues. So it's, you know, uh, a bunch of different beliefs and you can click on, you know, a certain idea. So for instance, I went to conspiracy theories and they have a bunch of instances of people falling prey to conspiracy theories and ending up in prison, uh, you know, jail for 10 years, fraud, all, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Uh, you have fear of vaccines in Africa, right? Mistrust of GMOs, mistrust of, of Western businesses. So rather than 
give people genetically modified food rather than give people vaccines. It's seen as a plot by Western imperialism to to murder poor African countries. So you have people going without food, people going, you know, dying from uh, starvation and people not getting the medical treatment that they uh, that they need. So, you know, on one hand, you've got it can lead to violence. Demagogues will use conspiracy theories to get the power. So it, it, it can be used as a weapon to uh, to hurt a lot of people. Now, let's back up a little bit because I still meet people who don't know what Pizzagate is. So for people who don't know what that is, can you explain to them what that is? Yeah, they're lucky if they don't know what it is. So in a nutshell, uh, there was a, a, a bunch of emails uh, leaked onto WikiLeaks a couple of years ago. And they were the emails. I think it was John Podesta, people involved in Democratic Party, people involved with Hillary Clinton fundraising, just high up Democratic bureaucrats, Democratic Party bureaucrats. So in a nutshell, they need to raise money. So they would have a lot of fundraisers at this one particular pizza parlor called Comet Ping Pong. And that's it. The owner of the pizza parlor was a Democrat, and he would let them have fundraisers at the pizza parlor. And there were a bunch of emails talking about fundraisers and pizza parlors. So there were certain conspiracy theorists, of course, right-wing conspiracy theorists. They got a hold of these emails, and basically they they backed themselves into this corner saying, look, pizza doesn't mean pizza. Uh, games doesn't mean games or fundraising doesn't mean fundraising. And they were all code words for pedophilia and child rape and torture. And the conspiracy theorists believe, and the man who took the gun into the pizza parlor believed that there was a child sex ring in the basement of this pizza parlor. So he went in there with an assault rifle to liberate those kids. And then he gets in there and he realizes not only is there's no basement, but there's families in there. And he, you know, he ended up getting arrested as he should have. And he was acting off of misinformation. And it, it's something that spiraled out of control. It, it, it's, it's a shame. And, you know, there are people in power who will use conspiracy theorists to get ahead. Uh, do, are you familiar with Jade Helm 15 with what that was a couple of years ago when Obama was president? This is like the thing that Alex Jones was talking about, right? Yeah. So Jade Helm 15 was just mil regular military maneuvers that they have all the time. And the problem was it was military maneuvers while we had a black president in a red state. So what happened was like, like, <laughs> like, like Obama is sitting there directing the military, right? But anyway, the military was on maneuvers in Texas and a couple other states. And that was it. They were just going through exercises. So a conspiracy theory was built that the Obama government, in conjunction with the UN and China, were going to lock up real Americans, put them in FEMA prison camps slash UN prison camps slash Chinese prison camps that were going to be housed inside of abandoned Walmarts. And that's the conspiracy theory. So you have the governor of Texas at the time. I, uh, the name is escaping me now. He basically goes on TV and rather than say, hey, there's no conspiracy, chill out. He says, well, we're going to get to the bottom of this and I'm going to have the Texas National Guard follow around the military. So rather than just calm everything down and tell everybody to relax. This is a guy who who walked up to this situation, the governor of Texas, and poured gasoline all over the fire. No, I remember that this uh, actually jumped the shark <laughs> and it went from just conspiracy sites to actual publications. Oh, yeah. This is maybe one of the early signs where conspiracies were jumping from fringe over to mainline Republican politics. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. So you have the myth of white genocide in South Africa. So basically, as countries modernize, as they develop, they don't modernize equally, right? This is modernization theory. Uh, you know, there's the military, the culture, the economy, the political system. They're all going to modernize at different rates. So as things get better for some people, things don't get better for other people. So people get jealous and they steal. So you have instances in South Africa where poor people are attacking rich people. Some of those poor people happen to be black and some of those rich people happen to be white. So you have this old uh former apartheid class that is still around. You know, these people don't just go away, right? They make it seem like uh, Mandela becomes president and all the racists just disappear. No, they're still around. <laughs> so they spread this myth that there's roving gangs of black people running around executing rich white people to steal their land. So that's a joke. It, it's a lie and it's nonsense. But Tucker Carlson gets on his channel, on his program, I'm sorry, and then he repeats it. And then Trump repeats it. And Trump says, we're going to get to the bottom of this. I had a student in my class give a presentation. They, they have to do current events. And she read an article from Forbes talking about white genocide <laughs> in South Africa. And I had to stop her in the middle of her presentation and tell her to stop. I ended up giving her an A. I said, look, you did the work. You did the research. You report. You did everything you were supposed to do. You were just acting off of misinformation. So that's the thing. It, it's a bad idea. But if people can use it to further their agenda, they'll use it. And if it means picking on communities like Muslims or immigrants or Jews or whoever, they'll do that because they know that these communities can't really fight back. Joe Rogan was spreading the white genocide thing as well. Oh, of course. That's what he does. That's what he does. <laughs> Southpaw, everyone, is the better. It, it's Joe Rogan experience for smart people. Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, what is the fascination with conspiracy theorists and pedophilia? <sighs> everything leads to pedophilia always you know what i i don't know it, it's weird i i think because I, I mean look again understandably so i think pedophilia is probably one of uh you know you know think of something like uh like uh like uh like pizzagate that's probably the worst thing they could think of that's the worst thing a lot of people could think of uh there's children like you you have you have your son we were just babysitting my sister gave birth to a baby boy two days ago so we were babysitting my niece last night we spent the night with her you know they're, they're little they're innocent we love them and to think of people preying upon them is kind of the ultimate evil so for, so on one hand it, it's it's this fear on the other hand, it's something that happens. People in power do abuse children. They do abuse underlings. And looking at someone like Epstein, uh, who who was a pedophile, who was raping young girls, uh, it's not something that that's out of the realm of possibility. Um, why specifically pedophilia? I think it's because someone like Alex Jones can use that to rile up his base. You know, chemicals turning the frogs gay. Eh, who cares? They're frogs. Uh, all these other problems and issues, but you know, when you tell somebody, Hey, they're coming for your kids, that is something primal. Mm. That is something primal. It, it, it's Sam. I'm sure if somebody hurt your kid or went after your kid, you would do everything you could to, to neutralize the situation. So it, it, it's, it's a way for these people to get a reaction out of their base. Yeah. It really is the worst thing you can say. Now, who are the psychological types to fall for conspiracy theories? Yeah. So, I mean, again, that's the thing. There is no type. There is no type. So there, there are people who have uh, a conspiratorial mindset, but it, it's not any one group of people. So left wing, right wing, black, white, rich, poor, gay, straight, 
anybody can fall victim to conspiratorial thinking. So some studies have been done. If you look at office politics, right, whenever stress is induced on an individual or a group, they will start to develop a certain amount of paranoid or conspiratorial thinking. So one example would be, you know, I mean, I'm not saying this is you, Sam, but we'll just say like in, in the office, right? Yeah. Certain young woman gets ahead. Maybe she's attractive. Oh, well, who is she sleeping with? Uh, what did she have to do to get ahead? Or, uh, you know, you, you maybe you share a cubicle with a, a cubicle with a guy and he gets the new chair and the new computer and you don't. Well, you know, people start to develop, you know, that's not a conspiracy theory or in, in, in the grand context or in the grand scheme, but it's the same type of, of mindset. So again, if you look at a society that is unequal, like the United States, uh, you take, you know, white men who historically have had it easier than everyone else. I'm not saying we're on a level playing field, uh, but the playing field is more level than it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So you have white men having to compete more with women, white women, gay people, black people, you know, Asians, Latinos, and so on and so forth, immigrants, and they can't get by on just being white dudes anymore. The minimum wage went down. It's it's not easy. So what happens? It's easier to blame. You know, I could blame myself and the politicians I've been voting for for the past 30, 40, 50 years, or I could just blame the immigrants. I could learn political scientists under political science, uh, try to figure out how power works, uh, take up leftist politics, devote my time to activism and, and academics, or I could just blame the Jews. So it it it, it comes down to you know, a, a complex issue, people knowing something is up and then a demagogue coming along and selling you a line of BS. Uh, well, the reason you're struggling is because the Satanists are, are plotting against you or the Mexicans and the Chinese are going to steal your jobs or something like that. But as I said before, the average conspiracy theorist is caricatured as a, as, as a, like a middle-aged white guy, but that's not the case. Uh, there are conspiracy theories that, uh, that, that black people might tend to believe with good reason. And then there are conspiracy theories that white people might, might tend to believe, you know, you get the idea of the, uh, the welfare queen queen who's often portrayed as black, uh, leeching off hardworking, uh, white Americans. And that leads conservative white people to, and you know, Bill Clinton, Mr. And, uh, and it was end welfare as we know it or whatever it was he was talking about and social security as we know it or whatever the heck he wanted to say. Uh, that's what happens. They start to buy into this conspiracy theory. On the other hand, you could look at an indifferent American government using African-Americans as an exploited underclass. It's very easy for people of color to not trust the American government to sit here and think, well, you know, they invented AIDS to get rid of us. They they flooded our communities with drugs to get rid of us. Well, if you're already dealing with a power structure that is hostile to you, it's not hard to to make the leap that hey, you know, maybe maybe there there are puppet masters behind the string, behind you know behind the scenes. I'm sorry, pulling strings. But uh, you know, all, all of these all of these things, whether they be homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, they're all used as as tools and weapons by demagogues. So it, it, you have to look at the actual conspiracy theory if you want to start breaking it down. But there is no type of person. I mean, anybody, no matter who you are, what the situation, it could be something as simple as office politics or it could be something like international politics. Then let me ask you another way. What do conspiracies speak to that make them so tempting for us, all of us, to believe? I mean, at that to answer that question, I think you'd have to look at the individual conspiracy theories, but you'd have to look at the person involved. What 
what narrative do they subscribe to? What ideology do they follow? Are you a you know, red-blooded American Protestant who believes that hard work will pay off and the meritocracy and all that? Um, are you somebody who went to school that didn't really study physics? Are you somebody who grew up in a social circle where people aren't educated and they were kind of just, you know, spewing out right-wing nonsense at the dinner table? It's if you are already prone to that, if you already have a tendency to believe uh, certain things and somebody comes along and gives you a lie that's related to that, it's, it's easy. It's easy to follow along. Conspiracy theories are dangerous, not always because they, uh, because they, they, they might not be violent in and of themselves. A conspiracy theory might not specifically be violent. Like if you're just talking about aliens and the government, uh, and the government, uh, hiding aliens, you know, that might not be one thing, but the reality is conspiracy theories create create the environment where racism, anti-Semitism, and, and all the other uh, phobias and whatnot, bigotry and oppression, where they can flourish. If you already distrust the government, if you already distrust academics because, you know, you aliens or anti-vax or whatever, the next guy that comes along and says, well, it's the Jews, it's the Muslim, he's just piggybacking on an idea you already have. You already don't trust the government. You already don't trust the scientists and the academics. So if he comes along and says, well, it's the Jews, well, if the scientists are going to tell you differently, you already don't believe them. If a conspiracy conspiracy theory itself isn't violent or, or bigoted, it, it adds to the environment where, where violence and bigotry can uh, can piggyback off of them, where they can flourish. So it doesn't always have to be a fearful or hateful person. No, it, it, conspiracy theories um, at best are a slippery slope to something worse. Okay. So what are some of the biggest conspiracy theories out there? Yeah, I mean, again, you'd have to look at, uh, at, at certain, cons- you know, I, it, okay, so again, taking a step back, we'd have to look at who, who we're talking about. But again, in the United States, as of 2013, 50% of Americans believe that JFK's assassination was a result of a conspiracy, whether it was the CIA, whether it was the mafia, whether it was Fidel Castro or the Soviets. I've heard all these different ideas that it was so-and-so. Um, but all of these different organizations, why would they want to do it? Well, and that's that's the question I always want to ask. If you look at somebody like JFK, <laughs> like, no, but honestly, I don't have an answer to that. So again, my, my friend Flavio Hickel, the professor at the University of Delaware, he does a whole mini lecture on JFK not being that great, right? Like, this is the guy who botched the Bay of Pigs. This is a guy who continued the Vietnam War. This is not Jesus Christ. People treat him like... The best thing, like, and this is this is a horrible thing to say, and I don't mean this to be cold, but one of the best things that happened to his legacy was dying young. Because he didn't become some creepy old politician. Because we all know JFK would have been some creepy old Me Too guy towards the end, right? You know, this myth that they sell you about John McCain being some stand-up individual, when in reality, he was in bed with fascists and racists. It, 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 it's a myth. But, I mean, everyone has their own agenda, so they're they're... You know, I don't know why if, if you're a conservative, I mean, even again, if you look at Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton or Barack Obama, these people are not Malcolm X. These people are not Martin Luther King. These people are not the Black Panthers. But according to uh, right wing rhetoric, rhetoric, they are. So if you are the right wing, you have to demonize these people as much as possible. So JFK, who was very much the standard bearer of the status quo, like an Obama, like a Clinton. Uh, to the right wing, he was a left wing maniac who wanted to destabilize America. So that's why this myth has been built up that he was some kind of like great leader when in reality, he was just another just another president. 
Then let's go into some of the more interesting conspiracies. One of them you already mentioned, lizard people. For people who don't know what that is, what is that? Okay, aka reptilians, aka reptoids. So again, when you say what is that, we have to look at who's doing the talking. If you talk to one guy, one conspiracist might say, well, hey, they live in the hollow earth, they live underground, they're a race of beings that have been in been on the planet, you know, since before humanity, maybe they're descended from dinosaurs, maybe they're, you know, maybe they who knows, who knows. Some people I've I've heard that some conspiracy theorists say, or or, you know, this isn't always necessarily conspiracy theory, but the people they'll say, look, they live and live in the hollow earth. Other people will say, no, they're actually aliens coming on a starship and they're sucking people up and they're either at war with gray aliens or they have the gray aliens as their servants. Again, you ha- there's never any consistency. Uh, you can never really get two of these people to agree on anything. Uh, so this idea that the Queen of England, Barack Obama, the Bushes, if you go on YouTube and you type in reptilian or reptoids, you're going to get no shortage of videos. But this idea that they are secretly pulling strings behind uh, all the bad things happening and they're secretly in control. I've heard some conspiracy theorists uh, say that they actually are like psychic vampires who feed off of negative energy. And that's why the world is in such disarray is because these reptile people are feeding off of the negative energy. But again, you could look, reptile people enter the consciousness. I think there was an old Conan story. No, it was Cole the Conqueror, which was kind of Conan's predecessor. That was one story uh, where, where snake people were conspiring against the king. There was a TV show in, the, I think it was the, the 80s called V, where they were like reptile aliens who were taking over the world. There was that movie They Live with Rowdy Roddy Piper, a great professional wrestler, by the way, which which a lot of people, that's a big meme in conspiracy culture, is the whole put on the glasses and you'll see the truth. Uh uh, but I guess like the king of the reptilian conspiracy is this guy, David Icke, I-C-K-E. He's a former British soccer player turned maniac, right? He's he's probably the king of conspiracy theories. Any conspiracy theory, any movie about conspiracies or government mind control, he works into his his meta conspiracy. So he's pushing the, the reptile conspiracy. He thinks that a lot of these, you know, the Queen of English, Elizabeth II, that they're reptile people. You could look up David Icke, you know, hopefully you don't. And you'll see that he, he's he got a lot to say. I mean, but a lot to say. I mean, but this is a guy who has made all kinds of money. He's got countless books, countless movies, DVDs, videos, YouTube channels. I mean, the, the guy. Like if you're just in awe of somebody who's got a web presence, you can sit back and and be in awe of this man's web presence. The problem is it's it's all a bunch of crap. It's a load of BS. So I mean that that's the thing. But but that's really what's behind the the reptilian conspiracy theory that there's a race of reptile people that are either alien or or from the earth that are secretly controlling mankind. Now what about the recent resurgence of the flat earth? Well, the flat earth. See again, so. Political science as a discipline has a bunch of other sister disciplines. So you have political science, but to study political science is to study sociology, psychology, demographics, geography, history. Uh, conspiratorial thinking, conspiracism is kind of the bizarro version of political. It is the bizarro version of political science. So naturally, it's going to have its own sister disciplines. So you've got ufology, you've got pseudoscience, pseudo history. So when when you talk about flat earth, I wouldn't call flat earth a conspiracy theory. 
I would call it uh, pseudoscience. I would call it pseudo history. The, the reason it's related to a conspiracy theory, the reason the conspiracy comes in is because you have people who believe in this idea, the proponents of the idea, and they're sitting there looking at the facts or what they think are the facts. And to them, it's so simple. So the question they have to come to terms with is, why doesn't everybody else see what they see? Why doesn't everyone else see what they think it? So it could be aliens, it could be reptilian people, it could be the flat earth, it could be the hollow earth, it could be we're all living in a simulation. Why don't people believe what they believe? The answer is not because they believe a, a load of crap. The answer is because, well, then there's got to be some kind of conspiracy keeping them from the truth. The conspiracy is is uh, a component or or a part of the uh, the the, the pseudo scientific or pseudo historical belief, right? So you'll listen to a guy who says, you know, giants once roamed the earth, and the Smithsonian is hiding the bones of giants. Well, I mean, giants don't exist, never existed. And if you go into the Smithsonian basement, you're never going to find them. You're never going to find these bones. So naturally, there's then a conspiracy, which is covering up the truth. Same thing with aliens. Do you have an alien? Do you have, you know, an advanced equation, an unsolved equation that, that you can solve that they told you? Do you have a piece of alien technology? No, you don't have any of that. All you have is hearsay. All you have is anecdotes and people talking. Well, if you're a proponent of aliens, you'll say, well, then there's got to be a conspiracy keeping the information away. And, you know, at the absence of evidence then then becomes evidence. <laughs> now, you mentioned earlier, a lot of times it's an individual thing, what conspiracies a person might believe. But from my experience, right, if they believe one thing, like even something that sounds as seemingly benign as flat earth, they also believe other conspiracies that could be dangerous or they might act in a dangerous way. Absolutely. But is that for the most part, the way it happens that if you tend to believe one of them, then it becomes a slippery slope and you believe a bunch of others or, or a person who tends to believe one tends to believe others as well. So yes. So to there's, there's, let me just unpack that for a moment. So there's a, an article that our listeners can find it's called dead and alive beliefs and contradictory conspiracy theories. So in 2012, there was a study done. I think it was 2012 could have been in 2009 where I think it was about a hundred people were given a questionnaire and there were a number of questions asked on this questionnaire. Among those questions were, were two questions in particular. One question was, do you think that the British Royal family or the queen had princess Diana killed? <laughs> so there were people who checked. Yes, we believe that. So a couple questions later, there was another question that came along that said, do you think princess Diana is still alive? Now, the thing is some of those people who checked, yes, we believe princess Diana was killed by the British monarchy also believed that she is still alive. So if you're trying to wrap your head around that, it, it kind of hurts to think about that. What studies have shown is that conspiracy theorists, people who have a conspiratorial mindset, um, it's more about them just being conspiratorial, less than them about being, you know, uh, uh, logical or, or rational. That it, it's more about 
There's no consistency. There's no, okay, that's a good way of putting it. There's no consistency. Uh, it, it's more about mistrusting power, mistrusting authority than it is about being consistent. So you can have a, uh, 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 you know, opposite viewpoints, opposing viewpoints, but because they're both uh, 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 conspiratorial, people will adhere to them. So conspiracies used to be more of a fringe libertarian strain of the Republican Party, but now it seems to be part of the mainline Republican Party. So how did that happen? Well, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't even say it's libertarians because libertarians, uh, you know, more of your, I guess, quote unquote, I'm kind of groaning as I say this, I guess more of like an orthodox libertarian might be more atheist, like a lot of new atheists might might be libertarian. The thing is, there's a lot of conspiracies coming out of the Christian right. A lot. So if you look at, I mean, you can go back to the Salem witch trials, right? There, there are these women. Uh, they're different. They live alone. And on the one hand, it's a woman with property that another guy wants. Like, I want her property. I'm going to accuse her of being a witch. So again, this idea of I'm going to rile people up to attack somebody who's powerless and then take what they have. Well, that's what I mean by libertarian, though, is property based and also anti-regulation. Anti. Well, yeah. So so there's definitely, you know, there are there are those those ideas, this idea that, you know, the government through regulation is going to, you know, hinder our freedom and, and so on and so forth. But I mean, I would honestly go more after or, or try to look at the Christian right, because, again, the whole idea is, well, why isn't everybody Christian? If, if you're a Christian fundamentalist, you're asking yourself, why isn't everybody a God-fearing Christian? Well, the answer is there's atheists, there's there's devil worshipers, maybe it is the devil, and they're poisoning people's minds with rock and roll music and Dungeons and Dragons and, and premarital sex and Harry Potter. And that's that's the conspiracy theory, right? So it's like something comes out and it's like, well, it's anti-Christian. It's like, no, you're just centering yourself and you think that that you know your righteousness or your morality is the one true morality when in reality, a lot of people just don't care, right? Jazz wasn't created to destroy Christianity. It was created because it was fun to do. Rock and roll is fun. That's why we listen to rock and roll. Not because, you know, I'm a Satanist who wants to destroy Christianity or America. Um, so again, the, the conspiracy comes as a, a secondary component of a mistrust of authority or of a mistrust of, uh, of society. Well, that makes sense because, uh, you know, going to even... Uh mistrust or hating of Muslims and Jews, right? To your point, it's like, wait, you guys have been around. We've been telling you about Jesus for so long. Why haven't you guys converted? We've gone around the world, right? Yeah. From uh, South America, Asia, we've been converting everybody except you guys. What's the problem here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, if you look at these, a lot of these types, it, it's, you know, so they'll say, all right, well, the Satanists are evil. The atheists are really just Satanists. Um, Jew, I mean, depending on the conspiracy theorists, if they're like white supremacists or not, some of them might say, well, Jews are evil. Some of them might say, well, Jews are salvageable, right? Because again, there's like this weird strain in this country that is anti-Semitic, but also wants to defend Israel. And it's like, again, like, again, there, there's, there's lack of consistency. So I'm sure, I'm sure we've seen the memes on the, uh, on the South, on the Southpaw, uh, Facebook group. But again, this, You'll have the guy who has the don't tread on me flag, but also has the blue lives matter flag. And it's like, you know, who do you think is going to come take your guns away, guy? It's not going to be Jose, the Mexican labor. It's going to be the cops. It's going to be the U.S. military. It's going to be the very same people that you fetishize. 
or uh, you know, how I, I saw this Onion article, or it was I think it was the Hard Times. You might have posted it, and I almost I almost choked. I was laughing so hard. It was you know, policemen go to a, go to a Halloween party, and they're all shocked that they all dressed up as the Punisher, right? The Punisher kills cops. Yeah. <laughs> Right, he he kills people. He works outside the justice system to execute people. And you're a cop, and you think that that's cool, right? It it it, it it's a lack of consistency in in the mindset. You know, we live in a society that disrespects education, disrespects uh, the social sciences, uh, doesn't teach political science, doesn't teach civics, and this is what happens. You know, th- this is what happens after years of, of disrespecting education, disrespecting the left of the right controlling narratives of a sensationalist media. This is what happens. It's a lack of consistent thinking and conspiracy theories thrive. I remember a tweet by uh, Charlie Kirk of Turning Point USA where. Oh, boy, he's a bright light. <laughs> where to your point, right? He was talking about taxation as theft, and they were using tax money to do something for uh, policemen in uh, New York that were affected by 9-11, right? And so he was tweeting that taxation is theft, that you shouldn't use money like that. But so many of his followers are also all about Blue Lives Matter. They're like, what the fuck are you talking about, right? And so in him trying to be consistent for a second, right? Yeah. He pissed off a lot of his followers, so he immediately deleted the tweet, right? Yeah. So then from now on, from that point on, he never tried it again. It's always this like taxation of theft, but our money should go to the military. It should go to police. And they never bring up that contradiction again. Yeah. Let me just say something really quick, because I mean, I am an educator, so I don't want to just totally put the boots to all conservatives. But in that statement, I mean, we can show that conservatives are not monolithic. Right. We know that, you know, we will paint, you know, on on the Facebook group and whatnot, we'll paint broad, broad brush, broad strokes, and we'll make generalizations about conservatives. But right here, we see that they are not monolithic. So a libertarian atheist might not see eye to eye with a a Christian fundamentalist. And they they do butt up against one another and they do come into conflict with each other. And I, I, I do owe it to my bright conservative students to make that point. Um I, I just I want to be fair on that one to make it even less consistent. Right. Charlie Kirk is a proud libertarian, but he's also a proud evangelical Christian. Mm, isn't that fun? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It, it's was it Paul Paul Ryan a couple years ago. He It was something like he. Well, number one, w- w- what killed everybody was when he said his favorite band was Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> and Tom Morello was like, you're the machine that we want to rage against. Like you're, you're everything that Rage Against Machine is, is against. Like this, just this obliviousness. But he made some comment about, you know, the, I think it was like the Bible and Ayn Rand. And a couple of pastors were like, no, Ayn Rand was an atheist and she was very hostile to Christianity. You you need to come to terms with that. And, and you know, it, it, it's it's a thing like we need to we need to be fair. Right. Like conservatives, um, they 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 need a lot of criticism and we need to be on them about that. But, you know, we, we have to be fair and we have to point out. When, when there are divisions within their uh, within their their group. Oh, yeah. If you look at it from the surface level, they shouldn't get along at all. No, they shouldn't. They <laughs> shouldn't. I mean, that's the thing. It, it's 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 duping. But again, you know, it's not understanding politics, not understanding civics, not understanding how the system works. And 
people getting their information from Fox News. I mean, Fox News is a propaganda outlet. They are not a news outlet. Breitbart is a white supremacist platform. And if, you know, we live in a capitalist society and in our society, everything is up for choice. You can choose to live in a world where either gay people don't exist, trans people don't exist. You can live in a world where they choose that lifestyle. You can live in a world where, where, where there's climate change is not real right? You can live in that world. So, so people just choose to live in this world that, that isn't real and it ends up having consequences. Now you mentioned the Salem witch trial. So do conspiracy theories go way back? Oh, conspiracy theories, as, as, as long as there are, uh, people, as long as there's certain factors, right? So as long as there are opportunists looking for power, as long as there is a populace that's easy to exploit. And as long as there's an enemy, that's either seen or unseen, real or unreal, that can be pointed to, you can, uh, there, there will be conspiracy theories or conspiratorial thinking. So you can rile, this could be medieval Europe and we're riling up people to go kill our Jewish neighbors, or it could be fascist Spain with no one left to blame, blaming the Illuminati when they haven't existed for 120 years. You know, I mean, the enemy can be real or it can be an imagined, but as long as there's an enemy an easily an easily uh, duped uh, populace and somebody willing to exploit them, you'll have conspiracy theories. So, I mean, anti-Semitism is the 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 root of almost every major conspiracy theory. So when you talk about reptilians, reptile aliens, when you talk about bankers and all that, it always goes back to Jews. You can literally uh, look at some of the things that David Icke is saying about reptile people and then put in the word Jew. And it, it's a conspiracy theory from 100 years ago that they were talking about Jews, you know, Jewish bankers using their gold to buy people off and to influence money and, and elections and all that stuff. Well, even with the thing about uh, pedophilia and sex slaves, doesn't that yeah. go all the way back to that, too? Yeah. I mean, so, again, Sarah Palin, that bright light, made some comment a couple of years ago where she said something about blood libel. Blood blood libel was, was was a reference to when Christian communities would, would attack and then oppress and murder their, their, their Jewish neighbors. Right. They would murder Jewish like it would be like the Jews are drinking blood. They're killing children. But then they'd go wipe out an entire Jewish community. Right. Let's you know, never mind the fact that Christianity was supposed to be anti money. So you have Jews move into your community and you can't let them be doctors. You can't let them be lawyers. You can't let them be butchers, bakers, candlestick makers. You won't give them land to farm. So what jobs are available? The jobs that you see or you believe are evil or bad or on the fringe. So they become bankers, they become money lenders, which means they have power, which means, yeah, they're, they're going to sometimes use that power, which breeds jealousy. So you've pushed these people into a corner. They have now thrived and then you resent them for it and you attack them. So it could be the Tulsa race riots or it could be attacks on Jewish ghettos in Eastern Europe throughout history. It could be the Inquisition in Spain. So Edward Snowden recently spoke about what I call wacky conspiracies and how they just distract us and pull our attention away from the real conspiracies like government surveillance on Americans. Right. And there have been actual conspiracies, the so-called conspiracy theorists haven't given a shit about anything related to especially about social justice. Right. The things that exploit people of color and have oppressed minorities. So what are some of these actual conspiracies? Yeah. So so in a nutshell, um, well, actually, this isn't going to be in a nutshell. Edward Snowden is 100% right here, right? Like I said, we don't teach civics. We disrespect history. We disrespect science. We disrespect teachers, right? You'll hear about uh, Soros checks, 
right? But he's right. If you're wasting time, if you're looking for aliens or reptile people or mind control devices or weather control devices, you aren't looking for the real solution, right? If I'm one of the Koch brothers, if I'm the one that's still alive, I'm delighted, right? Keep looking for aliens. Please keep looking for reptile people because I'll continue to buy off politicians and push an agenda that that, that furthers inequality, right? Or, or I will be, you know, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz's answer to everything is more security. Well, we know that more security doesn't need to lead to more safety, but there's a prison industrial complex. There are, you know, uh, industries that buy off politicians. So this is what they're going to push. They're going to push a police state on us. But, you know, you, you, there are real conspiracies. So we have to ask, you know, why don't conspiracy theorists care about them? So really quick, let me just say this. I, I think I said this before. Conspiracies are real. They do happen. There are criminal conspiracies happening all the time. Abraham Lincoln, Julius Caesar, Franz Ferdinand, all of their assassinations were the results of conspiracies. Okay. But again, a conspiracy theorist think the whole world is driven by conspiracy. So although they, they have influenced history and they have impacted history very much so, they aren't driving history. But here's the hard truth, Sam. Um, the reality is institutionalized inequality, how it manifests as poverty, racism, misogyny, that's not a conspiracy. That's the status quo. That is the byproduct of living under capitalism, right? So rich countries, exploding poor countries, that's not a conspiracy. That's the name of the game. And the real world can be really chaotic at times, and people have a hard time with that. So again, they assume that you know Lex Luthor or Satan is behind the scenes pulling the strings. But in reality, if you're, you know, this this racist or a white supremacist who uh, subscribes to some of these conspiracy theories, you know, you don't care about dark people. You don't care about developing countries, right? So you don't care about the damage done to these populations. So slavery, genocide, medical experiments, you could just blow them off, whatever. Um, this is where bigotry comes into play. Some people will cry about big government and they'll cry about, don't tread on me, but they'll also blow off the fact that we're breaking up that we're breaking up families and putting children in cages. So again, it, it's a lack of consistency. I mean, you you kind of hit the nail on the head when you gave us that phrase, right? Um, the same people will side with murderous cops when black people have the audacity to claim that their lives matter, right? A any action not centered around whiteness is seen as untrustworthy and will be then perceived as part of a conspiracy theory. So. If your conspiracy theory isn't about the government trying to hurt people, they just don't care. They don't care. Because, you know, if it's a medical experiment on black people or El Salvadorians, whatever, that doesn't affect them. That doesn't affect their, their, their daily life. Um, redlining, Jim Crow, infecting Native Americans with blankets, uh, the supposed yellow peril, countless interventions all over the world, just destabilizing democracies and e economics. This is just another brick in the wall. This is just another brick in the wall. This is another day under capitalism. So I, I think the reason people don't care is probably because either A, they're misinformed, B, they're, they're bigoted, or, or, or C, they, you know, it's either they, they don't know or they don't care. I mean, and that's the reality. It doesn't affect them, so they don't see it as a conspiracy. If, if they're not at the center of it, they, they, they are not bothered. They can chalk it up to, well, you know, Mexicans are, are dumb and dirty. Latinos are dumb and dirty and ignorant. That's why their countries are falling apart. Or, uh, you know, Chinese people, they're, uh, you know, they're all communists anyway, which is why they're, you know, they have an authoritarian uh, government. It, it's, I mean, th that's the thing. People don't subscribe to the conspiracy theories they don't like because they don't fit into their narrative.
Now, you mentioned earlier about redlining. Can you explain to people what that is? So in a nutshell, so again, I, I this is like my, my, my thing. People like to complain about social justice warriors. Um, to me, the most obnoxious thing in the world is people that complain about political correctness. Uh, political correctness is not a thing. There's no such thing as political correctness. There is just people who had control of the narrative sharing the narrative nowadays with other people. We live in a time today, particularly with social media, where every discussion has been democratized. That's not necessarily a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is a thing, right? People who had ac- who didn't have access to the conversation have that access now. So when you look at something like redlining, most Americans don't know what it is. It was it was attempts by white governments white developers to keep black people out of the suburbs and in the cities. So you look at the post-World War II era, uh, the creation of the suburbs, you have suburban sprawl, you have people leaving the cities. Well, they were white people. Um, oftentimes, you know, nine times out of 10, nine, well, 99 times out of 100, we'll say, white Protestant families, to a lesser extent, Catholics, and if you were lucky enough, maybe some Jewish families. But black families were not la- allowed into certain neighborhoods. Asians, Puerto Ricans, other people of color were not la- allowed into these communities. You had to be white. You had to make a certain amount of money. Well, if you were black and you had a, a job that wasn't making enough money because, again, you were, you, were, you, were, you were discriminated on the job, you couldn't afford these communities. And you can find some houses where there are deeds, and if they have old deeds, they'll say cannot sell to blacks, cannot sell to Jews. It was it was it was a a, a legitimate, uh, a deliberate effort to keep black people out of white communities, and we don't talk about that. So when you hear somebody say something like, well, "Why are these black people upset?" Because black people have faced a history of injustice. Right? We didn't just free the slaves and then everything went okay. We had 100 years of Jim Crow. We had a South that fought progress tooth and nail, using terrorism constantly to keep these people as second-class citizens. And Black people today are politically, economically disenfranchised because of it, um, are bitter today because of it, aren't as well off as their white uh, peers because of that. It's you know, so if you're a white supremacist, you'll chalk it up to black people being lazy. No, black people aren't lazy. There's 500 years of history that have given you a leg up. And redlining falls into that. You could look at literacy tests, grandfather tests, grandfather clauses, all that stuff. Now, with Jim Crow, explain to people what type of laws those were. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jim Crow laws, Jim Crow was a song. It was a, a racist Southern song. But Jim Crow laws were laws that enabled American apartheid. So basically you have the slaves, they get freed. Well, you know, they're still black people and we have to control them. So let's pass a bunch of laws to keep them in control. So they can only own so much property if they can, right? They, we, we are going to keep them out of certain jobs. We're going to keep them out of certain schools. If we put them in schools, we're going to put them in schools that are underfunded. We're going to pass laws, right? We're going to pass laws that say two or three black people standing together is a riot. So, you know, you go to the store, you go to the corner store, you buy something, you run into your brother and, you know, maybe you're walking with your brother and you run into two buddies from school, cop drives by, this is a riot, you're locked up, you're going to jail, right? Black people were not allowed to congregate in large groups without terrifying white people. So if you want to understand why the black church is so prevalent in the civil rights movement, it's because church was the one place where black people can get together and congregate. 
So, I mean, J- Jim Crow was a system of oppression that enabled white supremacy in the American South. And then something you mentioned earlier briefly was the Tulsa race riots or the Tulsa massacre. So what is that? Yeah, the Tulsa massacre. So, yeah. So like I like I was saying there um, that new show Watchmen based on the comic book, uh, what happened in the Tulsa race riots? So in a nutshell, you had Tulsa, Oklahoma. There was a thriving section of Tulsa, Oklahoma that was a black community, black doctors, black lawyers, black businessmen, black tradespeople. Um, it was a thriving community. I, I heard one thing, one comment where it was like when a dollar was spent in that community, it circulated 19 times before it left the community. You know, as opposed to today where it's like you have a black community and a lot of the the, uh, the shops aren't black owned. The money gets extracted from the community and there's a whole host of issues with that anti-Semitism in the black community, um, uh, 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 discrimination towards Asians in the black community. And that's something we can, we can get to at a later date, but in a nutshell, you had a thriving black community and a not thriving white community next to it. So, uh, there was a woman who claimed that she was attacked by a black, I don't even know what set it off years later. It came out that it was a lie, but basically the white members of Oklahoma and Tulsa invaded this part of Tulsa, the black community of Tulsa, with rifles, with cannons, with with dropping bombs on them. And thousands of white Americans attacked a community of a few hundred people in an attempt to attack them. They displaced them. They burned down their communities. They stole their stuff. And that that community never, never, never really recovered. They used to call it Black Wall Street. It was a systematic, deliberate effort to take away and destroy this black community. It was black people are thriving. We can't have that. And that, you know, that's how white supremacy works. It's we, we have to ensure that these people don't have anything. And if they have something, they might get a little too big for their britches. So we have to take them down a peg. It's jealousy, it's ignorance, and, and it's hatred. And uh, reports range from 200 to 300 people were killed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't know. We'll never know because people just up and left the community. They never went back. People were never found. So, I mean, it's a community of a few hundred people. You don't know if they left. You don't know if they died. So those people that come back, well, what happened to everybody? I don't know. I don't know what happened. People were here. People aren't here anymore. I don't know if they're dead and buried, if they got burned, if they got raped and tortured. I don't know if they ran away and never came back. Uh, they, they, you know, people don't know. And this isn't taught in school, right? So that in itself is sketch. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't teach these things. I mean, but again, you know, there's there's like like just brutal history of white supremacy, and there's there's this idea that uh, that that black people have to forgive. There's this 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 ignorance of of African American history that slavery was bad and it ended 200 years ago, and we should just just forgive everybody. And it's no, that's not the case. Like I said, there was 100 years of Jim Crow. You have the Tulsa race riots. You have institutionalized terror uh, taking part. You know, uh, manifesting in the Ku Klux Klan and racist churches and racist governments and racist police officers. So you have these lily white Americans that are just like, well, black people just need to forgive. And I think that that's problematic. Forgiveness is a Christian idea. So if you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't subscribe to that narrative, forgiveness might not be something that you believe in. It might not be something that helps you. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't think forgiving somebody that wrongs me or wronged a lot of people, I don't think that that's owed. And I don't think I'll feel better just by waving a magic wand and saying, oh, it's okay. It's not okay. 
people do bad things. They need to suffer the consequences for what they've done. And we don't owe them apology. If, if that's what you would like to do to make you feel better, by all means, if forgiving somebody will make you feel better, have at it. Uh, me personally, if, if you hurt somebody in my family, I don't think I'm going to forgive you for that. But to me, like left politics, there's no left or right. It's either you're informed and you know facts or you're ignorant, right? So going to the Tulsa massacre. Well, I mean, let me just say that you, you can you can see. And I, I remember I wrote this really bitter article as an undergrad. I said, there's ultimately there's two types of conservatives. There's those that don't know and there's those that don't care. If you're the Koch brothers, you, you're probably very much aware of the damage you're doing. You just don't care. So I wouldn't call him ignorant. I wouldn't call them ignorant. If you're a white supremacist and you're open about it, you say, yeah, I don't like black people. We're screwing them over. I don't care. I don't think that that makes you, I mean, you're ignorant because you're a racist, not ignorant because you don't understand what's going on. You know what I mean? I, I think, I think a lot of people might be ignorant because they, they're, they're not looking at the big picture, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them all ignorant. Well, what I was going to say is maybe, and maybe it works more for like left versus liberal. Mm -hmm. But what I mean is that let's say we go back in time, things like the Tulsa massacre or redlining. A lot of people I know who aren't as left as me, right? They don't know about these things. So what I say to them is if you had learned about these things the same time as I did and you weren't withheld these types of information, where would your politics be now? Now, to your point, maybe some people don't care, but I think there are some people who are good faith actors who just don't know. Absolutely. But they like to frame it as if we both have equal amount of information and we just see things differently where I'm saying. If you are a good faith actor and you do care about altruism and equality, you will probably be like me. The difference is that I learned these things and you did not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, so it, it's about lack of access to education. Uh, the conservative right has an interest in keeping white people ignorant. If white people don't know about their history, if they don't know the history of black and whites working together and they see it as they're taught this history of Black Panthers bad, Black Panthers hate white people, not Black Panthers and food programs, that's what's going to happen. It, it, it's what narrative are they subscribing to? You know, uh, are their parents uneducated? Is their, their preacher, some, some guy who's uneducated, if they already, if they're already being fed this misinformation about different people. And then on top of that, they're going to a classroom that has had this information systematically taken out. These people are being engineered to, uh, to think a certain way. And I guess that's kind of a conspiracy, right? <laughs> but again, I wouldn't call it the conspiracy. I'd call it the status quo. Yeah. And something else you mentioned earlier was about medical experiments. Mm-hmm. And that was a real thing. I, I remember uh, reading about even it happening in Puerto Rico, where American doctors went there and they had uh, an issue with uh, certain diseases and they were just experimenting on these people. Yeah. African-Americans, El Salvadorians, Guatemalans, Puerto Ricans, the great Puerto Rican independence leader, a guy many people have called the Puerto Rican George Washington, uh, Don Pedro Albizu Campos, uh, was probably and is the most prominent independence leader in Puerto Rican history. He was a veteran of the First World War. He helped build an Irish community center when he lived in New York City. He was more black of a Puerto Rican, so he served in a black regiment in, in World War I. He was arrested by the US government, and how he died was they were using him in radiation experiments. So he looked like a, like a living skeleton Towards, towards the time he died. They would take Puerto Rican prisoners and they would expose them to radiation to see, to see what would happen. Like Nazi, Nazi stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they would take black soldiers, infect them with syphilis, 
to uh, see what would happen. Uh, uh, sterilizing poor Mexican American women to uh, keep them from having kids. All, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Uh, uh, something I think it was was it Wilson who helped to deport over one million Mexican Americans. I mean, and that went on from like the 20s, I think, until the 50s. They were just kidnapping Mexicans, putting them on trains and sending them into Mexico. And you could be somebody who was born and raised in California and might not even speak Spanish. And boom, next thing you know, you're, you're on a train to the center of Mexico where you don't know anybody and you might not even speak Spanish. So the actual bad things, right, were happening to people of color and minorities who are already oppressed. And Basically, the everything these people are afraid of has already happened to other people. Yeah. So. You know, government encroachment, medical experiments, breaking up families, putting children in cages, everything the right wing is afraid of is already happening and has already happened. But, you know, for whatever world, for whatever reason, either they're, they're not educated on it or they live in a bubble, they're just, they're, they're, they, they don't care. Or they don't know. Like a, literally every fear they have of big government, of, of socialism, of, of Barack Obama and black people coming to power is something that has already happened that our government has already uh, done to its citizens. Now, to switch things up a little bit, something I haven't really seen people talk about much is the connection between conspiracy theorists and alternative health. And I see two things here. Conspiracy theorists tend to like alternative health because it lines up with a lot of their mistrust. But what I've also seen is it work as an entry point into conspiracy theory. So to your point earlier, it can act as a slippery slope. Now, do you have thoughts about this? So, so again, the relationship between alternative health and conspiracy theory would be alternative health is a pseudoscience, right? There's medicine and then there's not medicine. It, it either is medicine or it isn't, right? So a lot of the whole herbal stuff, it comes from communist China, Mao Zedong. He send, he's sending all kinds of uh, doctors into the hinterland, people that aren't even really doctors, kind of like nurses and paramedics, sending them into the hinterland, treating people. And he says, look, I'm giving you a book. And in this book, it says, if you have these drugs and medicines available, use these to help people. If you don't have these drugs and medicines available, here's a list of herbal remedies that might work. Right. And then in the United States, we get a hold of that information. We say, oh, ancient Chinese secrets, ancient Chinese mem uh, re remedies. They've been around forever. And it's like, no, the people who put this book together said, no, use medicine. But if you don't have it, use this stuff. Uh, the, the question, though, is, I mean, the, the next issue or one of the biggest conspiracy theories that would relate to that is would be the big pharma conspiracy, right? People do not trust the pharmaceutical industry. And for good reason. I don't trust the pharmaceutical industry. But very much like GMOs, like nuclear power, I would say the problem isn't the technology. The problem is who is in control of the technology. So GMOs aren't a problem. I don't think nuclear power is a problem. The problem is we have capitalist profit, profit-seeking industries that want to cut corners, keeping an eye on them. So that's the problem. You have uh, 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 big pharma and their shady advertising uh, their, their, their price gouging. I mean, you, you name it. The problem is the industry. It's not necessarily the, uh, the medicine. So what happens is you are somebody who's sick. They're, they're pushing these crappy, you know, medicines that, you know, you have a headache, but the side effects give you anal bleeding or whatever it is. Uh, and then you have a pharmaceutical industry that's overcharging for drugs. You have a healthcare industry that's, that, that's denying patients care. Uh, let's wrap that up. In, into people that don't trust the government, don't trust authority. If, if, you're, if you don't trust authority, if you don't trust business, if you don't trust powerful people, and then they are shady on top of that, 
that's going to add to the conspiracy, right? So I don't think that, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is withholding the cure for AIDS because if you had the cure for AIDS, uh, you, you would make billions of dollars and you would go down in history as a savior, right? There's this idea, oh, they have the cure to AIDS and they're hiding it. No, you would make billions if you had the cure, the cure for AIDS. But because the industry is so shady and corrupt, it's very easy to believe that, yeah, you know what? Maybe they are withholding the cure. The government does have a history of infecting people with diseases. The industry it is doing what it can to cut corners. So the problem is, people are going to have that distrust because they could say, look, I don't trust the pharmaceutical industry because of X, Y, and Z. And then for me to deconstruct that argument, it, it's, it's a little bit harder. What's, was it Mark Twain said the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, a lie has traveled around the world twice before the truth is even put on its shoes. That's, that's the problem. Something that scares me about all this though, is because alternative health again, seems benign, right? But something that's changed everything is the internet. Yeah. Meaning uh, you said that there's all these different conspiracy theories, and I think that's true historically and how people get to each individual one might be, you know, idiosyncratic for each person. But now because of the Internet and because of search engine optimization, right, which isn't a conspiracy theory, like you could get a website ranked high. Right. And so a lot of people, when they start Googling stuff, especially about alternative health. You know, you might be like a good hearted liberal, but you have some ideas about alternative health. And then once you start Googling it, some of the top sites that'll come up might be Alex Jones and Infowars, or it might be the David Icke website, right? It's not going to be some like lefty, like, uh, you know, socialist website, or it's not going to be, you know, New York Times or Huffington Post. And so once they get there, then they all start to get pulled into the meta conspiracy where it becomes this amalgam conspiracy with a bunch of them combined. But the one through line between all of them is government mind control. <laughs> That's the thing I keep seeing is that ultimately is the government trying to brainwash. Them. I mean, again, it's just, it, it's a mistrust of authority it, and it, it's, you go online, you want to look something up. So like the internet is a good thing. Uh, Social media is good because, again, we're able to democratize every conversation. It's not just rich old white men controlling the narrative. But on the other hand, we've allowed every like, what do they say? Opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. So everybody who has access to a computer can create a website and put their two cents onto the internet. And the problem is if you're a young parent, like, you know, I know Sam, you're a young guy. You got a young kid. You, you, how, how old is your son? Only like a month or two old, right? He's a little guy. And, and it's like, you know, somebody who doesn't have the head on their shoulders that you have, you have a kid, you're a young parent, you don't really know. And you go online because your kid might have something, you know, some skin rash or something. And you go on some website and people are like terrifying you with these worst case scenarios. So really they proliferate because they prey on people's ignorance, young families, uh, you know, people who are unaware of politics and science. These are the people that that end up in becoming susceptible to these to these crazy beliefs. So alternative health, again, you don't trust the medical industry. You've got all these people telling you not to trust it. You've got goofy celebrities like was like Jenny McCarthy and Bill Maher and whoever telling you not not to trust vaccines. It it it, it creates a, a a society of confusion. So it's not just fear. Then now the new marketing is you know Alex Jones might just be speaking to your fear, but then other websites are speaking to your privilege. Going back to pseudoscience, right? Oh, regular science is for the plebs. It's for like regular people. There's better science for the privileged rich elite. I find that that becomes a different conduit for the so-called educated, wealthy liberal who are privileged. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's a, that's a huge class component. Rich people think that they're smarter. 
We live in a society that tells people that if you have money, you're smart. Donald Trump believes that. People are just dealing with misinformation. They have all kinds of people feeding them all kinds of news and bad ideas, and they get swallowed up by it. But, you know, they don't mistrust everything because the thing I also see as a through line between a lot of this. It's always selective. But one thing I do see as a through line where they do have trust is maybe to your point, some people have a trust in religion, but all of them seem to have a trust in capitalism, meaning the market is efficient. So with alternative health, it'll figure itself out, like with GMOs or whatever the hell it is, vaccines, like let people decide on their own. And any intervention that doesn't let people decide, that doesn't let the market work the way it's supposed to be, then they're like, nope, that's messing up the system. Yeah, that's some like horrifying, creepy, like libertarian alternative world where it's like, well, like I think Mark Zuckerberg, he, and he, did you see him stumbling through Congress the other day? He made that comment about, well, I'm going to allow bad political ads to happen so that people could make a choice and they could decide. And it's like, no, dude, that's not how it works. Yeah, that's not how it works. Like, like you're, you're full of crap and you have no answer. And now you're grasping at straws and you just you just embarrassed yourself. That's what happens. According to that, then, right, there is no brainwashing, right? I'm just like giving you whatever, and then you're choosing to believe it. Brainwashing is some liberal plot. It doesn't exist. (laughs) It's like this naive libertarian, like there's this, and like libertarians and liberals are big with this. They they think that everybody's rational and everybody isn't rational. Yeah. The rational market, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, like they think that if you just give people the facts, they'll, they'll choose. No, people have all this baggage. People have societal and cultural baggage. People have all these issues that they're bringing with them, these ideological baggage that that they're bringing to all these issues. And, you know, you're not just talking to a blank slate. And if you are some, you know, middle-class liberal or, or libertarian who went to a decent school and mommy and daddy have money, maybe you're in a position where you can think that you're rational and you could look at issues and think you're making the best decision. But not everybody is in that position. If you're living in a, in a religiously, in a religious fundamentalist world, if you're living in a world where your education was, was underfunded, you, you don't have the ability to make that rational choice all the time. And, and, and we all know somebody, we all know somebody in our life who, who says, well, I think with my heart, you know, we all know that person says, well, I, I just follow my heart. And we know that those are the people that always end up in trouble, right? Like, well, you didn't think it through, dude, this is what happens when you don't, when you don't think things through, this is what happens when you, I mean, there's nothing wrong with following, following your heart, but you have, to, you have to be rational. Those are the people who say, trust me, trust me. And then it's followed by, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but again, like in and of itself, it's not bad. We all know people like that. But when you add all this baggage, lack of education, when you add, you know, demagogues and politicians profiting off of misinformation, people become susceptible to that and they can believe all kinds of bad ideas. The one thing that I want to personally emphasize is the class component that seems to be a part of this now, right? In the past, it could be just like, um, any type of person, but because of Mark Zuckerberg, because of these technocrats, because of the internet now, right? A lot of times like conspiracy theories are becoming tempting for privileged people. And now they're playing the ultimate form of privilege by saying they're the victims, right? They go to Washington, DC, these anti-vaxxers saying that they're being discriminated against and they're being treated worse than black people (laughs) during the civil rights era. Yeah. So the two largest communities of people that were falling victim to, you know, the lack of herd immunity and the vaccines. It was 
uh, it was a group of Orthodox Jews, I believe, in the New York, New Jersey area, and lily white liberals in, in California. So the Orthodox Jews, they have a religious reason. We can't do it for religious reasons. All right, chalk that up, put that to the side. But these this, the, these these white liberals, or not, they're not even all white, these liberals in California, these are rich people that think that they know better. So they don't vaccinate their kids, which you can't vaccinate every person because there are issues. So that's why you need the herd immunity. Uh, if the one person can't get the vaccine, you hope that everyone around them has been vaccinated so that they're protected. But what happened was they didn't vaccinate their kids. So they started getting these outbreaks of these diseases that, that should have been done. Diseases that they're dealing with in sub-Saharan Africa, like the mumps and the measles, we shouldn't be dealing with that. But again, these people thought they knew better and that's what happened. There's a certain amount of arrogance that comes with, with, being, with, with having money. Yeah. And being in California, in LA, that's why it's such a important issue for me because I see it all the fucking time, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I would love to live in California, except for, you know, ex except for how expensive it is. And you know, thankfully, I live in New Jersey, which is just as expensive as California without the heat or the cool attitude. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, out there, I mean, California is really progressive. It's a beacon. It's a shining light. It's a model for the rest of the country, which isn't to say they don't, they're not, you know, you guys aren't dealing with your own bullshit out there. You have your own racism. You have your own ignorance and anti-science, but whereas everybody else is dealing with anti-science from the right, you guys are privileged enough to be dealing with it from the left. Well, it depends on what you mean by left, because when I do engage- oh, I'm sorry, no, no, definitely not the left. I'm sorry, liberals. But a lot of these people, I wouldn't call them conservatives. They're just like these these LA liberals, these milquetoast liberals that think they know better and they don't. Well, if you live here, the term you hear the most often, right, is a liberal who will say, I'm socially liberal, fiscally conservative, right? Yeah, it's not a thing. Right. Or they're a libertarian, but they don't identify as one. They just call themselves a liberal, right? Which then obfuscates the whole term. And now there's so many people who believe that, who call themselves liberals, that that's why that term doesn't mean anything or it doesn't mean the thing that people think it means. It means basically a libertarian at this point. Yeah. So one of my uh, 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 good buddies, uh, Peter Jacob, he ran for Congress a couple of years ago um, in 2016 uh, against uh, Leonard Lance, and he, he lost. He's a he was like the first wave of Bernie Kratz. Good guy, good guy, a uh, good friend. I was having a conversation with him about this, about how he would, as a Bernie Krat, butt heads with these old entrenched New Jersey Democrats. Now, the New Jersey Democratic Party is not like the Democratic Party anywhere else. Right. The Democratic Party, like there's there's the northern political culture, the southern political culture. Then there's the New York, New Jersey, Chicago political culture, which means wheeling and dealing, crossing par party lines. So we have a lot of conservative Democrats that'll side with Republicans because even though New Jersey is a blue state, there's a large amount of Republicans and a lot of Republican communities. So, for instance, uh, uh, Van Drew. Uh, I think it's Jeff Van Drew. He's a congressman from 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 South Jersey. He was like one of the two Democrats that didn't vote to impeach Trump. He's that guy. It was some jabroni from South Jersey, right? But I, I was sitting here chatting with um, you know, um, with Peter Jacob. And look, the thing is, you can't be socially progressive if you're fiscally conservative. It doesn't work that way, right? The fiscal policies that you're going to support are going to hurt marginalized people, gay people, trans people, people of color, immigrants. Right. So when you when you use this 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 phrase, you're what you're really saying is I like to be nice to people of color, but I really don't want to spend any money to help them or gay people or trans people like I don't hate these people. Right. But I don't want to do anything to help them. So, you know, when you get into the issue of racism, most Americans, most white Americans see racism as a switch that you turn on or off. They don't realize that it's a spectrum. 
So when you say something like, you know, I'm, I'm fiscally conservative. So what you're saying is you support policies that hurt these communities that you claim to care about. That in a way is, is a soft racism. I mean, that to me is right wing. It, and it, it is, it is right wing. It is right wing, but. We live in the United States where the center is really the right and, uh, you know, the, 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 the far left is, is almost non-existent here and the right is to the far right. But that's where we're at now. I mean, look, look, again, on the first day of my class, I make my students read this article. It's called, No, It's Not Your Opinion, You're Just Wrong. And the idea is, look, you're allowed to have your opinion, but you can't just say anything and then use, oh, it's my opinion as a shield. It doesn't work that way. So if you say something as breathtakingly ignorant as Barack Obama's a communist, right? The, the, the guy who had a Wall Street executive in his cabinet, right? That, I don't allow people to say stuff like that in my class because it's <laughs> ignorant, right? Like Barack Obama is not going to overturn the system that allowed him to become president, right? Barack Obama isn't just a black man. He is a half white man raised by a white mother and white grandparents in a white community where he went to a predominantly white school and he went to a predominantly white college. And people want to act like just because he's black, he has black skin that he's, that he's, um, that he's Stokely Carmichael. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure he faced racism. Oh, absolutely. I will never, ever like he look, he is a half African guy who grew up in a, in a lily white community. There is no doubt in my mind that he faced. <laughs> look, he faced racism every day as president. Right. And look, Cornell West said it best. He needed to be protected, respected, but he also needed to be corrected. Right. We need to hold these people to the fire. You're Asian. I'm poor. I'm, I'm Latino. Right. I want more than a, than a dark face in a high place. Right. I don't want I don't want Ted Cruz. I don't want Julian <laughs> Castro. I don't want Ben Carson. I don't want Condoleezza Rice. I don't want them, man. They're tokens. Right. Those are people. Those are bootlickers uh, eating up the scraps. I, I don't want that. I want a true leader. Uh, uh, Michael Eric Dyson. He said, I don't want he said, I don't want Jackie Robinson. He said, I want Willie Mays to show up and hit a home run. And that that's the thing. It, it's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like conspiracy theories and conspiratorial thinking, it, it, it cuts to the heart of politics and it cuts to the heart of of the problem in this country. Lack of education, misunderstanding of politics, bigotry, racism and all, all the, the phobias that we can think of. Conspiracy theories hit them all. And there is no such thing as a benign one because they create an environment for the dangerous ones. Yeah. Yeah. Again, so if you're if you're oh, you know, Barry, Barry, Barry thinks aliens are real. Okay, maybe Barry's harmless, but now Barry has a mistrust of the government. Now Barry has a mistrust of scientists. Now Barry has a mistrust of 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 certain authorities. Look, and here's the deal. Look, you don't have to take what the scientists say. You don't have to take what your teachers say, and you don't have to take what the government says by heart. But no, when we say scientists, we're not talking about five people. We're talking about millions of scientists across disciplines. When we say, look, when, like you hear, oh, the according to the official story or according to the government's version of events, look, all they're saying is the government went with the best answer that they had available, right? We never say it's the official story that George Washington was president because he was the first president, right? The only time you ever hear that language, it, it's to it's to undermine what's being said. Right now, yes, you should not like we're, we're, we're of the left. We're anti-capitalist, which means we are skeptical of governmental power. We are skeptical of authority. But th there's a certain amount of intelligence and wariness that you have to have in order to be skeptical. 
and, and, and that's the problem is conspiracy theories. Again, as I said, it's lazy. It's lazy political scientists. So look, if you're a conspiracy theorist, kudos to you because you know something is up, but you have to take another step. You have to take that extra step. If, if, if you're listening to this podcast, look up the last episode of my podcast, Modernity and Absurdity. I did episode 10 with Tanzim Shanila. She's brilliant. She's a graduate student from New York City. She's a Pakistani woman who grew up in New York City, believing in a lot of conspiracy theories, um, believing in a lot of um, uh, 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 anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, conspiracy theories about the government, 9-11. She, she had friends that believed them. She had relatives that believed them. Um, she would go to conferences where she would meet like socialists and, and people of the left. And, you know, I, I, they weren't good educators, so they would roll their eyes at her. Or they would kind of condescend to her. So what does that lead her to do? That leads her to, to say, you know what, I'm going to believe these things more. I'm, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to, you know, cognitive dissonance will kick in. But thankfully, she went to school. She she went to graduate school. She educated herself. She learned, you know, how capitalism exploits. She le- learned how how that oppression is going to uh, uh, materialize different ways. And then she she read an article. I think it was in tw- she wrote an article. I think it was in 2012 or 2009 called the Illuminati and why it spoke to me. And I read that article and I said, if I ever meet this woman, I have to talk to her. Like, if I ever have the chance to meet this woman, I'll jump at it. So when I had the podcast, I just reached out to her and she was great. And she talks about that. She talks about believing these things, excuse me, and then educating herself. And then now being a, a progressive, you know, anti-capitalist and somebody who, who, who sees the world for what it is. To your example about um, her and things like anti-Semitism, I live in Koreatown in Los Angeles, and I saw graffiti there that wrote, kill Jews, right? Oh, boy. And I've heard a lot of Koreans say anti-Semitic things. And where do they get it from? They get it from the church. And why is that such an important part of the church? Why do they pick up these ideas? Because, you know, how often do Koreans and Jews interact or run into each other? Maybe in L.A. a little bit, but in general, not much, right? So it's because... Through the church, there's this aspiration to be white. It's, it's still part of the colonization mindset, right? And so they pick up these habits where it's like, or thinking habits where it's like, okay, white people don't like Jews or in the Christian right. The type of religion that Koreans have is not like mainline Protestantism that, you know, Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton has. It's very like Christian right-wing fundamental evangelical, right? We, we have the Korean churches out here too. And they're specifically, and they crack me up because it's like specifically Korean churches. And you'll just see like, you know, First Baptist, Second Baptist, you know, St. Whoever's Catholic Church. And you'll see Korean Christian Church. You're like, oh, oh, okay. Koreans only. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's why a lot of people don't even have Korean friends because they'll only hang out with each other. But it's not because they only want to hang out with Koreans. It's just that with Koreans, they know they're hanging out with other Christians. Which again, so like, uh, which... I can use that as an example, talking again about conspiracy theories. So there's a really good book that absolutely everyone should read. And when I was teaching at Middlesex County College here in New Jersey, it was required reading for U.S. government. It's called Who Rules America by William Domhoff. It's an expensive book, but you can go to the website whorulesamerica.net, and he's got everything there for free. And he's actually got a really good article that everybody listening to this podcast should read. It's called There Are No Conspiracies. But in it, again, he talks about people are going to be around and stay around the people they're comfortable with. So if you have an insular group like Koreans, you're saying, who are only hanging out with other Koreans, only dating and mixing with other Koreans who might seem a little cold to outsiders, it it becomes very easy for outsiders to start talking about them. Well, they don't like us. 
Well, they're here to steal. Well, they're not willing to adapt. And even though they're Christian, they're not our type of Christian, so they're still different and so on and so forth. So it, it, that's, that's, you know, the, the role that that would, that that would play. But, but in your case, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely, it, it's the, the remnants of, of colonialism. You need to be like us, right? What do the English say? Make the world England. Uh, the Spanish, the Spanish thought that they could just breed everybody into being Spaniards, right? And through breeding, we're just going to make everybody Spanish. We're going to make everyone like us. That's, you know, that, that's, that's the process of imperialism. All right. Well, I think we've covered a lot. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for teaching us so much about the wonderful world of conspiracies. So where can people find you? So there's a couple places you could find me. Uh, you can go on Facebook, type in Modernity and Absurdity, and we'll pop up there. Uh, I'm available on SoundCloud. I'm available on Stitcher. I'm available on iTunes. You can find us on all those places. You could just go into Google, type in Modernity and Absurdity. You can find us there. You can find... Uh, you can email me, uh, really easy. My name, Perez, P-E-R-E-Z, Perez Podcast at gmail.com. You can uh, ask me questions, talk to me. I will never know everything there is to know about conspiracy theories. As long as there's people, there's going to be more. Every day, there's new ones. So if somebody just wants to chat, has an idea, something that they think is cool or funky that, that I might be interested in, reach out, Perez Podcast at gmail.com. I'm a, uh, I, I guess I'm kind of like a regular contributor to New Jersey Revolution Radio. I've been on their main program, their video and audio program a couple times. They have a secondary podcast, which is great, called Wine, Women, and Revolution, which is more towards, you know, geared towards women. I was, uh, spoke on that one about Chinese conspiracies. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the Chinese climate change Trump conspiracy theory. I, I talked about that one. But uh, you can find me New Jersey Revolution Radio. You can find me Modernity Absurdity, and you can email me. I'm not I'm not hard to find, and I'm usually uh, talking a lot about pro wrestling on the Southpaw Facebook page. <laughs> a lot, like a little too much, <laughs> never too much. All right, thank you, Christian. Thank you, Sam. It was a pleasure. Um, anytime you want to have me back, anytime you want to chat, reach out. Thanks again. Now that's a show. We've grown Southpaw purely from word of mouth, so that means it's all organic. So if you're already spreading the word, please continue to do so. If you've never done it, please consider telling your friends, sharing on social media, and also leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. This will make it easier for others to find us. And since this is independent media, every dollar you pledge on Patreon goes a long way in the production of the show. Find us on patreon.com slash southpawpod.com.